you know, you keep track of your accolades and things of that nature, and you keep moving forward and forward. And I'm very proud of myself, but, like, that moment when for you, for you and I and others who are listening who know news from culture, for someone to trust your word and your judgment enough to allow you to not, you know, recommend someone for a job and, you know, in my case, to do it constantly, to do it on a, on a recurring basis sometimes, um, it, it, it's, it's like, wow, what? The group chat. We all have them. It's 2020. You don't have a group chat. I don't know what you're doing with your life. My next guest is somebody I met via group chat slightly before the National Association of Black Journalists Convention in 2017. Tremon Lucas is a at the time was a student at Morgan State University. And before the convention, I created a group chat for all Morgan students to be a part of. And that way it would allow me to kind of help mentor them and help them be ready for those who had never been to NABJ before. Tremon comes on this week to discuss his career he is a editor digital editor at WBAL TV right here in Baltimore Maryland like myself he is from Baltimore so he talks about growing up having WBAL be the family news station and now working there he also talks about having that responsibility to serve his community from behind the desk. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's my interview with Tremon Lucas. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, I have somebody who came up after I did from the illustrious, the great Morgan State University. But I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you that I actually look up to this person, and not because he's taller than me, but I actually <laughs> admire this person, and that is the one, the only, Tremon Lucas. Tremon, what's going hey. on, bro? What's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, man. You know, I definitely appreciate you coming on. Um, you know... It's funny we met via group chat, as it always seemed mm-hmm. like. But um, I remember we was getting ready for NABJ 2017 in New Orleans, yeah. and yeah. I, um, as we had the group chat going on, black journalists everywhere. I said, well, you know what? Maybe I should create a Morgan one, and you know, it just felt like everybody just clicked, man. And we go down there. I have to say that I was proud of you. And shout out to all your homies. That's on your team. Um, yes. you, you know, your best friend, your click. I don't know what y'all, your name y'all got going on, but shout I, out. I'm not going, I'm not going to give the name out, you know, but okay. yeah, it's a, it's a, it, there is a name. <laughs> but yeah, shout out to y'all because was it, wait, let me ask you this. Was this y'all first time going like that deep or in general? I think that was our first time going that deep. Um, 
my good friends, uh, they, you know, I was talking about, you know, Javon Hill, Zayna Armstrong. I believe that, like, the two of them who were part of that group in 2017, they, um, I think their first time was in 2015. um, And the rest of us weren't really even involved in the Morgan State chapter of NABJ at that time. Okay. Um, So, you know, 2017 was definitely our first time um, going, as you said, that deep. And, you know, we were just all squatted up. And that was the year that we actually won uh, Student Chapter of the Year. Um, So, yeah, it was definitely, like, a a very fun experience. And Javon and Zena actually led the charge for us to, you know, get motivated and to go down there and to have fun. And, you know, that's how we are. So, you know, connected to this day. Man, so let me tell you this. I'm gonna put this out there publicly. One, Uh-oh. there's a lot of reasons I was proud. One, y'all won uh-huh. student chapter of the year. Yeah. Uh <laughs> my first one it was 2013 in Orlando, mm-hmm. Florida. We went, mm-hmm. we was it was about 20 of us that all went together. And oh. I can remember sitting in at Magic Kingdom when they had like the opening ceremony, and mm-hmm. I believe. They was doing some honoring, like they made like some big point to like honor Jamel Hill and stuff. And mm-hmm. I remember when they had schools, and these may not be the exact schools, but I'm just gonna put the level, quote unquote, because you know it's about the students all more so than the actual uh, institution a lot of times. But they had mm-hmm. schools like Syracuse, schools like Northwestern. North Carolina mm-hmm. Chapel Hill. And these were the ones that was up in the running for chapter of the year. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there, I was like, you know, it'd be nice if Morgan could have got one of get one of those. Now I knew the vision that Dean Dwayne Wickham, shout out to Mr. Wickham. I knew the shout vision that he mm-hmm. knew the vision he had. He laid out the blueprint before you guys got there. I didn't know it was going to happen that quick. So mm-hmm. when I was right there with y'all, and I remember we was all at the welcome party party, and shout out to uh, Vance, um, Vance Brinkley, who's also on uh, oh, graduate with me. <laughs> you know that's all, bro. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Vance is, oh, yes. Vance is definitely, like, a, a big bro to me. Oh, my goodness. Geez. Yeah, and, everybody's got a Vance story, man. I got a yeah, great, I, great, I have great Vance story. <laughs> I, I know, right? So, um... I remember when we was all sitting there and I was just proud. And I had just got to know you guys. I saw the greatness, but I just got to know you guys. And I was like, wow, they really did it. It is Morgan State University chapter of the year. And to see y'all rolling that deep. And I just thought it was great. And little did I know that it would become such a great, you know, y'all was welcoming me in. Like, I'm, you know, y'all could have looked at me like an old fart for real. But, uh, you know, oh, well, just- I mean, well, <laughs> I mean, well, if, you know, listen, first of all, Brian, you, you know, you got to give yourself credit, you know, you, you know, you've actually helped a lot of us, you gave a lot of us great advice, you know, along the way, and, you know, you've been a really big, you've been a really big mo- motivator, so, you know, got to give yourself credit as well, no one, we didn't look at you like that, but no, you definitely, like, gave a lot of us good insight, myself included, so, you know, thank you. <laughs> well, it always helps when you have people that's willing to listen. Um, mm. I love giving advice since i do this podcast is so that people can mm-hmm. hear stories like yours that we get to get into that they can mm-hmm. learn and i always like being able to share 
the wealth. Um, but to see what you guys did to go out there and win chapter of the year uh, from the National Association of Black Journalists, because it's not just HBCUs. And that's what they would always remind us. You're not just competing mm. against HBCUs. You're competing against everybody. So to see y'all do that was phenomenal. Take me to that moment when y'all found out. How was that? Um, well, here's the thing. I have a very funny story about this. So we, um, myself, uh, Benjamin, Benjamin McKnight III, uh, Devin Ashby, um, and I think she was still a student at the time, Josiah Love Peace, we were all still, like, just getting to New Orleans. Terrence, uh, Terrence Smith, who was our president back then, Zena, uh, excuse me, Zena Armstrong, Javon Hill, and Akira Kyle, they were already there with Professor Jordan. So we were just still getting from the, trying to get from the airport to the hotel because the welcoming ceremony had just started. So they were already there when they won. So we found out while we were on our way there, I mean, and it was great. By the time we got to the hotel, I went upstairs to change, got downstairs. It was like, you know, we just really it just couldn't believe it. It was like one of those moments where it was like, wow, we, we beat these other, you know, these other schools. Because at first we were so nervous leaving Morgan, I think, that week or the week before. But we were like, you know what, we got this. We we had an, uh, like a like a mobile app. We were like, you know what, they're not going to say no to this. We got this. We got this. And I must, you know, shout out to uh, Terrence and Zena. You know, they're my best friends. But also they were just the hardest working president and vice president. And Pia Jordan um, as an advisor um, for MSU ABJ for so long before she retired uh, not too long ago. She really, really was the heart of that organization. And, you know, to share that moment with her and to give her that moment, oh, my God, that was probably the, like just a, a great feeling and great moment. That's what it was for me. But I found out on the way there. So I was like, well, damn, I missed all the festivities. But <laughs> we had a good night after that. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it was amazing, man. And just to see y'all do that. But y'all didn't just sit there and just be like, okay, you know, we done. You saw that what y'all were going to do the next year and, you know, continue as well in the graduation also. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like some people get awards and that's it. So, eh, okay, I'm, I'm good. But no, y'all kept working hard. Talk about what your time at Morgan State was like. And because you... I mean, you brought passion to the point that you have an award named after you, but you brought passion to school every day. Now, how did you, like, stay insane? Because you know how it can be with us when you deal with our people sometimes. And they, yeah, the people that, because I've, <laughs> I've seen you kind of put some people in their place. But how did you maintain um, <laughs> level-headed? Um, honestly, I had um, those names that I mentioned and then so many others. Um, a lot of people kept me saying, like, you, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but Michelle Obama always said, like, you can't do college alone, right? Um, you need a community. And honestly, I had a great support system and mentors and friendships, et cetera. And it was just, you know, it was some of those things that just really kept me going. Because as you were kind of alluding to, I used to wear so many hats in the School of Global Journalism and Communication at Morgan State. And, you know, I used to put so much pressure on myself, like, okay, um, I'm, I'm doing this for the folks from our campus newspaper. I'm, I'm doing this for Bear TV, our student-run um, television station. Um, I'm doing this for classes. I'm doing this for other organizations. I'm slowly becoming a mentor. I'm, I, it was just so much at some point and trying to work and, and, you know, again, get through classes. So it was a lot. But the community was something that helped me 
um, just keep, help, excuse me, help kept me sane. Um, you know, a, a great friend of mine who I consider like a brother, a brother to me, um, Malik Ovi, always used to tell me, like, yo, like, he used to come in every day. Like, once we got to know each other, he used to like, yo, you can't let everybody stress you out. And, you know, it's something that we still do to the day where we still check, do like, do like mental check-ins with each other just to like stay up and see what we're doing, see how we are. Because in our community, we don't really check on each other anyway. Um, but, you know, like I said, community was just the biggest thing that kept me sane. Um, yeah. Wow. That's, you know, I mean, that's the key right there. Checking in with each other, you know. Um, mm-hmm. When did that start? Did that start, like, while you was in school or afterwards? It started, like, maybe, like, right before, you know, he and I graduated. Um, like, you know, my friend, like, my other friends and I, like, we still, like, we check in because, you know, we're in a group chat and everything, like, you know, but every day, it's not, it's not like an everyday thing, but it's like a, a, yo, I haven't heard from you in a while. How are you? What's going on? I see you doing this. I see you doing that. What's happening? Um, with my other friends, like I said, because we're in the group chat, we just talk every day. But when you have those real friends that, like, that, like, you know they have your back and you know they are looking out for your best interests and, you know, that's, that's real and you can't really find that nowadays. Um, so, it, you know, it started, like, right before we graduated in 2017 and kind of, like I said, it's carried on for the last three years. And there are times where I'm like, wow, like, you know, he, you know, like, or like, you know, he came through right on time. Like, I really did need to get something off my chest or I really did, you know, want to see how he's doing, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's awesome, man. You know, I'm glad to see that. Um, you know, because that's the beauty about college. A lot of times you, you know, you have your friends in high school and sometimes you may outgrow them, you may not. But a lot of times, you know, mm-hmm. colleges, you tend to have people of similar interests, you know. Here, you and I, we didn't even, wasn't even in school at the same time, but we've been able to build a friendship and a brotherhood just through one social media, group chats, and similar interests being in the same field. That's true. That's very true. I remember you one time, though. I do remember you, like, one time. For real? I think you were, like, yeah, you were in Dexter's office. I think it was, like, after you graduated. Maybe after you came back from Michigan. Because I was trying to get a job. (laughs) Yep, and we were were in there talking, like, yo, you Brian, yeah, yeah, Uh uh-huh, and we, yep, and I do remember, I do remember you briefly, just like I remember a lot of the, like, I came in in the fall of 12, so, like, I do remember some of y'all briefly, but as a freshman, I was so scared to go to the third floor. I was like, oh, what is up there? Oh, <laughs> so, man. You know, when you're a fr- but, you know, like, when you're a freshman, you don't really, you're still not really, act, you know, acclimated into everything yet. You know, you're just still like, yo, what's going on? Who are these people? But, <laughs> it, you know, still, I do remember meeting you, like, before, like, just a little bit before social media, but I just knew of you. So, you know, yeah, I, I've heard a great legend of Brian Waters beforehand. You know, you were the first, you know, to go oh. out there and make a bid from from the new decade, from the 2010s, you know what I'm saying? Ryan Ward was out here at ESPN, you know, doing the thing. So I have to say this. I have to say this. Um, I wouldn't say I was the first uh, because you still have. Mm. Yeah. What it was is I was the first under the Wickham regime because when you got Uh. there, same time he got there, you know, fall 2012, that was my last year was, I always say my last year was his first year. So he came in, um, honestly, with um, like a, a vision and he was on a fast track to change things. You know, so you remember, I, remember I, 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 mm-hmm. I told uh, Kristen West, uh, shout out to her um, good uh, co-worker of mine. I mm-hmm. 
well, you remember when there was no uh, First Amendment in the school, when there was no couches Ooh. downstairs, you know, that wall was plain. So I and I tell people that he's like, well, and I said, look, I understand there's complaints, but y'all got way more than what we had. And yeah, so but yeah, I was the first one from his era. Now gotcha. there's um and now God knows I can't pronounce her last name because I never reason because I never asked her or her husband, but Alexandria Galipsko, who was at the time was Alexandra Bolin, she came, she graduated in 2011. So she mm-hmm. was at ESPN and she was kind of who bridged me on board. And there was oh, another okay. young yeah, Alex was um she had graduated, yeah, graduated 2011. And she started working there, I want to say, November 2011. And um, when I got an opportunity, or maybe it was November 2012, but um, when I had the opportunity, um, when they, you know, I had the interview, she was like, all right, come on, Um, I'm, you know, let's go out. Took me out to dinner the night before, gave me the ropes, Mm -hmm. told me, let me know. And then said, look, if you need anything, then I get the job. And she made sure that the transition was easy. And she said, that reason? was because she had promised Professor Jordan that mm. she would use her influence to help a fellow Morgan grad. And Alex, is, she'll be on the podcast soon. She was, you know, one of my good friends uh, was right there when my daughter was born. You know, I think she was about daughter was only four or five hours old. And she came to the hospital. Um, wow. Yeah. So and then there was and I can't think of this other lady's name, uh, but she worked on the NBA unit with a few of my friends and we never met. We did, but we didn't. Like, we never, like, we may have talked via social media, but I remember everybody would ask me, did I know her? So, yeah, there was, there's a, you know, plethora of people. And then after me, there was Esau Howard, who would later come up. And then we got some more of our, you know, people you graduated with up there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, um, I, I didn't realize that you was there in 2012. But, yeah, that day when, when I was in Dexter's office, I came back, honestly, and I was trying to, you know, I was, Coming there to try to find Mr. Wickham, he wasn't around. And, uh, you know, I was talking mm-hmm. to Dexter and Luther trying to get, you know, a job up there, but it just wasn't meant to be. Um, but now, you know, after you graduated, man, talk about the award that they named after you. Um, so that award, that, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, that award, uh, it was, it's any MSU spokesman, um, Shout out to Professor Milton Kent. He, you know, there used to be so many jokes around um, SGJC because um, Professor Kent and I were so close. But, um, you know, he, you know, so many jokes like, you know, like, yo, that's your dad. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know. And it's kind of sucks now, even after I graduated. But in any case, shout out to Professor Kent. He, um, absolutely. He named an award in my honor. It was, it used to, I forgot what it was called before. And, that's not to brag. I really just forget what it was called. <laughs> um, but I believe it was something about like, you know, like an achieve. it was basically like an achievement award. And um, he basically said it was December 13th, 2017. I'll never forget it because it was two days before I graduated. Um, and he, you know, he presented me the plaque and everything. He's like, from this day forward, it'll be known as the uh, Tremont Lucas Achievement Award or, or something to that effect. And honestly, you know, that was, uh, probably even to this day, like one of the proudest moments, you know, like, you know, I, I, you know, I don't do things for recognition and he knows that and others know that, you know, it's just like, it's just the way I was raised. 
Um, mm-hmm. And being raised by a single mother, you know, she just instilled in me like, hey, you just go for what you want. When you take opportunity, you see opportunities, you take them. Um, you don't knock anybody out of your way on the on the way up. You know what I'm saying? You bring people with you. Um, you know, there's so many lessons that she taught me that I kept with me all throughout college. And, you know, it was just one of those things that it just really touched me because I was not expecting that. Um, and shout out to the folks and staff at that time as well. They showed me so much love. And, you know, I was probably a hard, you know, I don't know if we can cuss them. I was a hard-ass editor. But, uh, um, <laughs> Go ahead, man. I mean, that's Be- I mean, Be wrong. I mean, that's just what it was. That's <laughs> that's just what it was. When I look back on, like, some of my leadership things, you know, you have reflection, and you're just like, wow, there's so many things I could have done differently. But, you know, at, again, at that point, it was just something I, I just didn't expect. And like I said, the the school, the school at that time, everyone, those I just remember those last couple of weeks, everybody just giving me so much love and encouragement. And every time I go back, I was just there today, and just visiting and talking to a couple of mentees and, you know, the love is, is always there. And it, it's always good to have that, that feeling, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that that's, it, it was just some, like an overwhelming feeling for me. Yeah. Shout out to Professor Kent. Uh, I used Ooh. to always, shout out to him. <laughs> I used to always um, remind him that when I was younger, I used to get in trouble for taking out mm-hmm. the newspaper and reading some of his articles, him and our good buddy from over at BABJ, David Steele. <laughs> and so like to be able, hey, Professor Kent, I never got a chance to take his sports writing class as much as I wanted to. Instead, Ooh. I took, yeah, because there was another professor, Frank Brown, and mm-hmm. Professor Brown was the one teaching the uh, sports writing class and the um, intro to media editing. So I think that's what it was called, uh-huh. right? Writing or something. I'm essentially, I do have a honest. funny. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a funny, I have a funny story about that sports writing class and oh. Professor Kent. I, yes. I don't make it too long, but it's like he, he just didn't. He told me to take his sports writing class. Mm-hmm. And again, because we were so close, it was like, oh, just take it. I was just like, you need an elective, take the class. Me and we you know we can get we can get back into this later down. Um, you know, in our conversation, but like, yo, like me as someone who. Knew in their heart of hearts, I'm like, I don't want to be a sports reporter. I don't want to be a sports writer. Why do I need to take the sports writing class? I did not take it. Oh, like, man. To this day, to, dog, to this day, when I see sports, when, like, sports things come up at work, and or I just, you know, I'm just looking at it, and I'm just like, or national sports things come up, and I'm like, I have no idea what the hell this is. <laughs> and outside of football, like, if it's not football, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and... Uh, to always tell Professor Kent every time I had those little things, he's like, "Well, you had an option. You could have took my sports writing class, and I never took the class. So I did have options. I never took the class, and it, to this day, it still comes back to bite me. I, it really does. That's hilarious. <laughs> but see, you know, I I was mad that I couldn't take it because I had already mm-hmm. took Professor Brown's class, and I was mm-hmm. like, man, I because they taught it differently." And even, you know, he was my advisor. That's how we met. And he, I think I was like one of his first uh, graduating students. So he was, we was kind of learning together. Um, so, man, but yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that he took uh, a liking in somebody like you because you work hard. You, you ain't have no time for excuses. You wanted to get the job done. And anybody who knows you, they know two things. You love this business and you love Morgan State University. Okay, love it up and down. Yeah. 
But now you went to afterwards. You went to uh, the AP as a general yeah. assignment reporter. Talk about your time there, man. So that was a great internship I had, um, and they treated you just like a reporter. Like that's just what they called you. Like it was like yeah, you were an intern, but they they treated you like a reporter. It's like you need to come in here every day, ready to go. Um, before that, though, it took me like six months to get to that because I had applied like the weekend before graduation. And it was one of those things I met Sonia Ross um, at the time who was like the uh, editor. She was the, um, yeah, she was the editor for the race and ethnicity beat at the time. And she was also in charge of the, in the DC bureau, she was also one of the ones who were in charge of the internship. And I mm-hmm. met her at a function at Morgan State, you know, and it was one of those things where it was like I was having a bad day. And Brian, you remember me back in like 2017. I still had like my afro. I was having a, so I was having a bad hair day. I was having a bad day with like if there was like an award, an event, and I was moving stuff. And it, it was a very embarrassing story. Like my pants like split that day, like that oh, night, man. and I couldn't go home. I couldn't go home and change. I had like this big trench leather coat on. And I kept in coat zipping up all night long. So I was hot. I was annoyed. I was angry. I met her. It was one of those things like, oh, you know, here's my card. You should apply for an internship. I was like, yeah, girl, okay. And it, it was like that because even though at that point I, I loved Morgan State and I believed in what we do at our school and our journalism school, I was like, who am I to apply for this internship? Like, am I really ready for this internship? So I applied for it, never heard back, and I was like, all right, I can move on from this. And I struggled after I graduated to find a job. Um, I eventually found a job, and then I would say I get a call from Sonia in March, um, a few months later, and she's like, you know, we like the application, you know, just give us, you know, call me back, let's set something up. I called her back. Um, we did an interview. I talked to mentors like Professor Kent and then talked to another mentor of mine, Edward Robinson at Morgan. And, you know, they gave me great advice, gave me great tips. And I did the interview um, with her and a couple others. And then the next day she called me back and she was like, you got it. I was like, oh, my God. Like, just tears of joy that day. Anyway, so to the AP. So it's June from August of 2018 at this point, And I'm like, okay, all right, we have the AP. We're in D.C. Let's do it. And Man, it was easily probably like my, it's just out of all the internships I've had, whether they were remote or off-site, that was my favorite one, mainly because, again, they treated you like a real intern, which means they paid you like a, excuse me, like they treated you like a real reporter, so they paid you a reporter salary. And also, you know, it just gave me a sense of what newsroom culture was really going to be like. And, you know, that was the biggest lesson. Those were the biggest lessons that I took away. And also, not to be so hard on myself, as I was mentioning earlier when I was in school. It's like you have to understand something. This business, you're going to be learning no matter what, where you are in your career. You're going to be learning because the, biz- the business is changing every day. And, you know, I, I, it was, again, just a great internship because I learned so much, not just about the business, but about myself and what I could handle and what I needed to do in order to succeed, which was one truly and fully believing in myself. I am, like others, a harsh critical myself, and I'm always criticizing myself before others get a chance to, and sometimes when that, that criticism gets in your head, it's like, 
from your own self again, it's like, wow, like you're creating doubt. It's like, okay, I messed this up the first time. Can I really go out and do this again? Or, you know, I didn't get a quote from this person. I'm really going to be able to go out and do another interview like this. It, it was just so many different things that in my head that were blocking me. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, Sonia, Sonia Roth, uh, Jesse Holland, and so many others just, you know, kind of got that out of me. And to this day, you know, I, I still struggle with it, but it was just a great stepping stone to what came next. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting there, man, and I get you being in your head, but I'm going to say, why wouldn't you think that, you know, you had enough? Um, I don't know. I have terrible anxiety, so <laughs> I okay. just felt like, I, you know, honestly, I just felt like the five, you know, I'm not embarrassed, but it's like the five and a half years that it took me to graduate, I was like, am I really ready? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I've done, you know, everyone around me is like, yo, you've done so much. You you do all these great things. But it's like, it's really at the end of the day, it's about what you personally believe. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I struggle with so much of that, like that doubt and just so much like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I was just really scared of what came next. And I've never been afraid to admit, like to admit that. When I look back on it now, I'm like, wow. You know, there were so many other things I could have done if I had just, not been so afraid to step out there and take that leap of faith, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I was, I felt like I just always played it safe. And I was like, did this really keep me from doing other internships or, you know, maybe applying to the AP a little earlier, you know, or just something like that. It was, I was just always so nervous, you know what I'm saying? Like internships like the Washington Post of the AP New York Times, I just did not think I was ready or good enough. I really didn't. Um, And even when I got there, and all the great things they said about me and my recommendations, et cetera, or appraisals, I was like, do I really, am I still really doing this? And it, I don't know. It's just, it was just so much. <laughs> yeah. Now you, you, um, what was your highlight there? At the AP? Yeah. Like, what would you say was the best thing mm-hmm. you've done or the coolest thing you've done? Man, we, the funny thing is it never, it never saw the light of day. <laughs> My um in the in the, in the DC bureau they paired us up. I was with um a data um a data journalist um by the name of Beatrice um and she was great um God she can draw and everything like she was just really good and honestly her writing skills were you know she never really like had like a writing background but her writing skills were like you know damn they're better than mine I was like well, damn uh what am I doing wrong and. <laughs> Honestly, what we did, we worked on this uh, multimedia project about, like, diversity in the NFL, um, which sent me on a lot of, which sent both of us, excuse me, on a lot of different paths. And the highlight was, like, you know, just making a video. We talked about it, and we we spent all this time doing research on it, and it just never saw the light of day. But that was my highlight because it just showed me, okay, this is what's going to be expected, these enterprise um, story ideas that are going to keep you around and that are going to make you a better journalist. Those are the things that stuck out to me. Is like, okay, this is like I said, this is what I need to do to go forward, and it prepared me for what was next. But that was a, a, a big highlight. But also that summer, I got to interview um, Jesse Jackson, um, mm-hmm. which was a little, which it was over the phone, but it was still like a little crazy. I was like, I didn't interview Jesse Jackson. Um, I, I had a lot of highlights, actually. I went to the White House for the first time. 
um, ever in life. Um, I was in, I was in the, I, oh my God, um, I'm losing my train of thought here. But I was in the White House. I was in the press room. Um, Sarah Sanders had just, uh, was, uh, had just given um, an update about something. I think the president had uh, was going away at, at, at one point, and we were in the back, like, I'm like, wow, this is really happening. Um, April Ryan was there, a, a Morgan alum, and I was so nervous. I didn't even get a chance to go up and say anything to her. And she looked like she was heated anyway. Um, but <laughs> she she had to, it looked like she had to go do a, a hit, and I said, all right, I'm going to leave her alone. But it was one of those things where I was like, wow, this is what it's really about. Um, and then they kind of walked us up like this hallway, and you could kind of see, if you're standing in the hallway at the right time, you can kind of see in the Oval Office, like, from where you are in the hallway. And then, like, Secret Service came out, like, oh, you guys can't be in the hallway like this. I'm like, okay. But it was, you know, those were a lot of good highlights this summer. Yeah, that was amazing, man. You know, I can remember, you know, I would be following you on social media, see what you would post <laughs> and see what you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, I was definitely proud because I knew it was a big deal. And it, it, it just, to me, it felt like, it was you like that's where you belong you know what i mean and then you move on i appreciate it and then you go you you know you blessed to be in for baltimore you get to work at home at wbal they um what was that like um and did that like send chills up your you know when you first got an opportunity to work there you know because most of the time i'm gonna keep it real here Mm-hmm. Most of the yeah, time, they, they tell us go to Fox Forty Five, work yeah. there, <laughs> and then uh, and you know, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. Obviously, shout out to no, Stephanie. no, that. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, so you said what? Shout out to WBFF. Uh, okay. No, I said shout out to Stephanie. <laughs> oh yes, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, shout out to Stephanie. Yes, yes. Stephanie got list. Yes, if you're listening, shout out to you, sis. Yes, and um. Maya Gilmore, Kalia Patterson, uh, Michael Ramos, other Morgan alum who worked there, Dexter Nixon started there actually. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm going to be real with you, man. When we was in mm-hmm. school, first right. they tried to shove TV21 down our throats. Mm. Did you have to deal with that? No, I don't, but I know I know what you're talking about, but no, I didn't have to deal with that. They now, tried now, to shove. Now you see why oh, I, I appreciate remember we had to do. Uh-huh. Now you see why I appreciate Mr. Wickham? Because y'all didn't have to have to deal with that. Because everybody was interning at TV21. And mm. I asked, from what I was told, because I can't say, because I wasn't there. But what I was mm-hmm. told was that there were about 20 interns and four employees. <laughs> and, you know, people intern in and they come back to school and, they, you know, they would learn. I'm not saying they didn't, but, I mean, I don't watch TV 21, to be honest with you. I didn't know about it until, because at the time we had direct TV. So, mm. um, but, you know, that's, that was like the internship. They say, go do that one. Uh, and when you try to jump out of the box, like, oh, no, no, you know, shout out to Sam Davis, who, um, you know, my mentor for, for life, who helped me get at the Baltimore Sun. But, hey. you know, to see you go right there, you know, right to Channel 11, what was that like, you know, the moment you, you know, you had that opportunity? Um, 
I, I, I honestly, I couldn't believe it. I, I really couldn't. Um, I started as an assignment editor, um, part-time matter of fact, um, at, at WBA. I was hired as a part-time assignment editor. Um, and if I couldn't give a shout out real quick, a shout out mm-hmm. to Jerome Chester, um, and Stefan Dingle, and both of them actually, because I remember talking to Stefan Dingle, who was an anchor at Louisville, um, WLKY, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry if I got that mixed up, Stefan. Um, I remember talking to him because I met him in the 2018 student, uh, media, student media project at NABJ. And um, I remember just talking to him and just letting him, like, yeah, just, you know, apply for a job at WBAL, you knew Jerome. And, and Jerome Chester was the director of programming and still is at WBAL. And, you know, just, they were just great, just great um, monikers for me, for real, honestly. Um, it was, it was definitely like a, like a moment, like, like you said, I'm from Baltimore. I grew up in Baltimore watching WBAL, like, for my grandparents, for my family, like Channel 11 was the standard. You know what I'm saying? And I, it felt like I already knew them because, mm-hmm. like, I've been watching y'all report like since I was like five years old, not knowing what y'all were talking about. But I've seen you all since I was five. Like for the last 20 years or so, like I've been watching the station. Um, it was crazy. It was crazy. I, I and I always give myself credit. I'm never starstruck by anybody, but I was really just excited to be there. And I remember going there for an interview. Um, I was still at the I was still an intern at the AP at the time. And after, matter of fact, after I finished the student project, it was like this. It was just like this um, go hard or go home mode that was activated um, because I'd spent that time that whole week just working on stuff on the assignment desk in the student projects. And I was like, all right, well, if I can do it here in a crazy hectic situation here with limited equipment and, you know, even though we're students, they still treat us like we were professionals and all this stuff is happening. I'm like, all right, well, why not go somewhere else and do it? Because honestly, I was about to apply for a job at the Baltimore Sun. But in any case, um, I got called in for an interview. I came up there. They looked over my resume, but also they just, you know, took me around, gave me a tour. Um, I sat with all the managers, and I also made it clear about what I wanted to do next. Like, I knew after the AP I did not want to be a reporter anymore. And it's not it's, – it's, it's no, it was no shade or anything to the AP. It was just like – I was like, well, where – it was almost like the thing was like, well, what else can I do as a reporter that I couldn't do here as an intern? You know, and they gave me opportunity, et cetera. But it was like – it was almost one of those things, like, I want to do something different. Um, and Jack Arusto at the AP, uh, who was my broadcast uh, mentor, on the broadcast side of things, he encouraged me to pursue, he and Sonia encouraged me to pursue, you know, different avenues, you know, things that you can't really get rid of, which is like cross-format storytelling, um, a.k.a. digital content. So when I went to WBAR, I made it clear to them, like, you know, I do want to venture into digital content at some point. And I met with the digital manager, digital media manager, Greg Ng at BAL, and we talked about it. And three months after I was, while I was on the desk, I applied for a position, uh, a digital editor position, because someone had left, and I applied. Um, and I would say that November, I still had to do a writing test and everything. It wasn't easy, like, you know, you're already here, let's move you up. I had to prove I could write. 
and, you know, prove that I just, you know, need the material. And three months into it, three or four months, I got the job. Um, and I didn't start until January of last year. So, woo, it was, man, it, it was just a blessing. It really was. It, it was a blessing. That's all I can say. I went from part-time to full-time in a few months, dog, and it was, it was God. That's all I can say. <laughs> Amen. What was what was your you know how we use the term in wrestling your mark out moment mm-hmm. so what was your mark out moment when you got the WBAL you mentioned being there and essentially meeting you know people that you grew up watching WBAL was the mm-hmm. channel that your family watched so mm-hmm. what was your mark out moment for me um there were a couple but like oh man probably Jane Miller, when I was on the desk at one point, um, our lead IT investigator, Jane had called. Jane had called the desk one Sunday while I was working because I worked weekend nights and um, you know early morning, a couple like an early morning shift or two. Um, and, and she called one night, and I always remember in my training they said when Jane calls you answer. I said okay, <laughs> like yes, you answer phones when Jane calls you. You need to make sure you answer the phone. And so I answered, and Jane would Jane, Jane called about. Something. I don't think it was a shooting, but I think it was about, I forgot, maybe it was like a fire or something. And it's like, oh crap, like Jane's calling, like, what am I? Let me get ready, you know, what, what do I need to do? And when I picked up the phone and talked to her and everything, she's like, hey, it's Jane. I was like, uh, hey, Jane. She's like, hey, who's this? I was like, uh, <laughs> like, oh, it's Trey, um, you know, from the, on the desk. And she's like, okay, hey, have you, did you hear anything about like the boat fire or? Yada yada yada. I was like, uh, no, because I was pretty good at listening to the scanners at that point. I was like, no, I haven't heard anything about it. Da, da, da. Well, you might want to check on it. I live down here. I see something. Da, 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 da. I was like, wow, okay. I said, okay, cool, got you. Uh, I don't know. That was for some reason, like, yes, while it's part of my job, and while she's hearing something, it's also part of her job, or you know, just a call in a tip or something. But I don't know. It was like. Did anybody just ask me to look into something for her? Um, or look into something for the station? It was pretty it was pretty cool. Um, but if I could like say something to them like on like or say something to that to that, the it's a family oriented thing. At least, you know, I work nights and you know, I met some great people there, like, you know, Deborah Wiener, Barry Sim, shout out to Vanessa Harris, my girl, uh, and so many others who Vanessa, you know Exactly. Uh, there are so many others who just, you know, really just made you feel like, you know, they get it. Um, Dr. Tim Tudin, who just feels like an uncle, a grandfather, a father, all in one, man. And just, he, he's great. Um, there are a couple I, I, other people that were up, there. And yeah. You bring up Dr. Tim Tudin. I met him at the first uh, yeah. NABJ I attended. For me, that was big. Yep. Um, mm. I, I can, I never forget, I walked up to him, you know, I said, hey, how you doing? I said, Tim Two and, you know, Brian Waters are from Baltimore. Actually, I had on my Maryland tie because I, I knew it was the mm-hmm. first day. And, you know, your first NABJ, you want to stand out and you want to yep. make sure recruiters remember you. So I had on Ooh. a Maryland flag tie because that way it's an easy uh, selling point. People know where I'm from automatically. Shout out to Route One Apparel. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> so I, I talked to him and I told him, I said, you know, I'm from Baltimore, you know, I grew up watching you, et cetera, et cetera. And I appreciated because he was like, oh, yeah, you know, and, uh, I said something about my mother. And he said, oh, well, you got a camera? I said, 
yeah, like I have a phone. <laughs> he said, let's take a picture. Send this picture to your mom. And I did that. And, you know, so just to get that, you know, and, you know, even uh, anytime you can meet your local reporters out of town, I encourage anybody in a who goes to NABJ if you meet your local reporters because you obviously yeah. you're NABJ because you want to be in the business somehow I hope that you know maybe we can't say about this next generation but I've hoped that they paid some attention to local news that right. they would indeed know who these got people are these guys and gals go up to them and let them know you know um Tim Two and Vic Carter Kai Jackson all of them were like very nice mm. to me at different uh, National Association of Black Journalists conventions, you know. So, uh, you know, and, and shout out to Tim Tootin Jr. Uh, it was that conference where I met him and built a great relationship. That's like my little brother as well, you know. And he's doing his thing in the Baltimore County scene, not trying to live off his father's name, but making a name for himself in the sports industry. Absolutely, but, um, absolutely. Uh, you know, Trey, the, the name of the show is called Breaking Through the Glass Ceiling. Mm-hmm. When did you break through the glass ceiling? I know you know, I know you like I do. I know you have big goals and aspirations. You never settle. But there has to be a time where you sat back and said, wow, I'm doing the damn thing. When was that moment? Probably when I was able to help someone that um, helps someone get a job where I work now at BAO. That was actually it because and it's something that I think you touched on earlier. First off, that um, is so on brand for you. <laughs> <I'm helping somebody. laughs> chill, chill. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's like, you got to pay it forward. You know what I'm saying? And I don't, sometimes like when people ask me things like that, I'm like, or, you know, about like, like success or whatever I'm like, I don't measure by like I mean yes like, you know you you keep you you know you keep track of your accolades and things of that nature and you keep moving forward and forward and I'm very proud of myself but like that moment when for you for you and I and others who are listening who know news from culture for someone to trust your word and your judgment enough to allow you to not you know recommend someone for a job and you know, in my case, to do it constantly, to do it on a on a recurring basis, sometimes um, it's it, it's like, wow, what? Like, am I doing that good here, or does my word mean that much here? So, like, where if I like say, you know, I, I vouch for this person, what? Okay, well, this person's in, or you know, we'll bring this person for an interview, we'll talk to this person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and we'll go from there. Um, that's when I feel like that's. It was like for me. It was like wow, like I've like you know you made like I made it. Like you know I'm in this newsroom. I've only been here for like a year or so, and impact is already being made. Being made. Um, that is just just crazy. Along with other things, just like you know when I'm by myself or you know even when I'm there, like I'm a real gatekeeper about what you know our viewers. Um, et cetera, are seeing, like, that come across their social media feeds, that go across um, our mobile app, um, that go across our website, these breaking news stories, et cetera. Um, that's me. I, I'm, this is my name. This is what I'm doing. And, you know, you know those, that, those are my, you know, breaking, you know, that's when I broke through the glass, in my opinion. That's why I broke through the glass a number of times. But, 
that that's how that's how I measure all that. Now, when you sit back and to be that gatekeeper, what has been like mm. some of the coolest? No, I better yet, better yet. What was the first big story? I guess I don't want to mm. use the word viral, but what was like the first big story that you worked on? You know that you knew that was everybody remember. would be talking about. I can't even. I can't even remember. Like, and I used to get so nervous about leaving my name on stories because you do have the okay. option to take your name off of it. And sometimes I still do that. I'll be like, all right, I don't want my name on this because y'all gonna be asking, y'all gonna be asking me if y'all don't like it or whatever, whatever. But man, I can't. Even, I can't even remember. I've been on the digital side of BAL for over a year now. Two years I've been at station, but a year into digital. So. I know there was a big story that came up last year. I just can't remember which one it was, but I know it got like a thousand or so shares. And I was like, yo, what is going on here? Like, well, like I didn't realize how important shares were to and to your brand or to, et cetera, uh, to whatever that you're doing until it actually happened. I was like, oh, man, look at me. Thank God. Woo-woo. But, um, man, I can't, I'm not going to lie to you. I can't remember. I can't remember what the first one. I really can't. But, I've been a part of a lot of big. I would, I would, I guess, you, uh, would you would consider uh, bigger stories, um, but something I'm very proud of and I want to shed light on. Um, I just did, just helped out, you know, worked on a project with uh, Deborah Weiner, um, some of our photos, some of um, a former um, former employees. It's called No Minor Crimes, where, you know we just helped keep track and, you know, it wasn't like we were actively going out waiting for, you know, this to happen, but we wanted to tell it, like shed a light on where these kids were in Baltimore under the age of 18 for dying in, you know, violent ways, you know, homicides. Um, in 2018, it was a high number, but in 2019, it was a higher number. Um, so Deborah came up with the idea in 2018 and, you know, let's, let's, let's keep a track and, you know, let's hopefully we don't get any. And, you know, we ended up like 22 last year. And um, I kind of helped Deborah out, like, with keeping help keeping track of, like, you know, what happened to them and helping her track down some friends and family members and, you know, finding some social media profiles, wherever the case may have been. And it was, honestly, that was a big proud moment right there. Because, like, oh, like, you, you get to work with, Deborah Weiner on this. And if you know Deborah Weiner, you know, she's a light. Um, and, you know, it, it was, it's something I'm very proud of. I really am. I got to do some digital stuff with it. I worked on, with my manager on something for digital, as a digital piece as well. And this is what I've always wanted to do, something that's community-based, even though, yes, it's a very sad and heartbreaking story. It's community-based. It, um, it was digital. It was, you know, it had a lot of components to it that cross from that storytelling I was talking about earlier. So, you know, just blessed to have done it. Now, can you talk about um, sometimes the responsibilities of being the black man in the newsroom? And especially when you are, I mean, you're from here. Um, I'm not sure everybody from WBAL is. So a lot of times you may be more familiar or have a better pulse, especially being younger. So can you talk about sometimes that, how that responsibility can be? It's hard. Um, and I'm not saying that to say that I don't love where I work. I do. And I'm not saying that to say that, you know, I'd say any newsroom in Baltimore, 
every I feel like every newsroom in Baltimore, talking to my friends who work at other stations, um, including the ones that I work with at my own station, I feel like, you know, there are challenges. Um, it's hard. Sometimes you feel like you are the voice of the community. And it's not, as a matter of fact, not you sometimes, it's all the time. It's like, I want to make sure we put this in the right light and even to the point where you are writing up. Okay. Let's say you're writing up, you get something from police and you're writing something up, you, you know, and someone has a description of um, a suspect and the description is black male, black jeans, black beard, um, you know, black, everything basically. Um, Well, that's, that's you and me right there. Um, You know, you can't, you know, if for people who don't know, like I'm a big dude, I'm a I'm six four. I'm a big dude. I have a big beard. I could you know my size, my height, my size. I could be intimidating to the next person. Um, it's the, with some of those things that you just like as a black man, as a black you know you you just want to make sure you are walking the path between yes, I'm doing my job, I'm reporting the facts, and also you want to make sure that you're still not putting black men, <laughs> you're not demonizing black men at the same time. Um, this is me personally, for example, I hate squeegee stories. Um, I really do. And what I mean by squeegee stories is um, uh, we know in Baltimore there are, you know, quote, unquote, according to some folks, there's an epidemic of squeegee kids out on the corners in Baltimore. Um, basically, just squeegeeing windows, et cetera, for money. Um I hate those stories. I really do in the sense that, you know, squeeze the kids out here attacking the people and running the people of Baltimore out of town. I think that is ridiculous. And as a black man in the newsroom, I do my best to keep my comments to myself and to stay away from that. But, you know, honestly, like I said, it's just so complicated. You see what I'm saying? And you, and I know what some people are going to think listening to this. It shouldn't be complicated. You're a black man. Why should it be complicated? Well, at one point, at the end of the day, you said to do your job, but at the same time, it's like, I want to present the facts and tell both sides of the story versus someone who just, you know, just tell one side of it. I don't like one-sided stories. I don't like, you know, lopsided stories. They need to be equally balanced. And I'm not saying that we don't do that. We do do that. But at the same time, you know, it's a lot for, especially as you said, like a young black man in newsroom nowadays who you know, all sides of it. It's like, wow, like here I am writing up another story about, you know, uh, a homicide where, you know, it involves a black man or a black woman or, you know, again, writing up something about a suspect who, well, excuse me, the lead suspect who the only description is he tall, he black. I'm like, okay, that's me right there. So if I go out on the street, if I write that up, I go out on the street, somebody sees that, that's me. Like as a, I'm tall, I'm black. He did it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, you just have to really ask yourself, and I always talk to my mentor, Professor Ken, about this and others. It's like, you know, am I a black journalist or a journalist who just happens to be black? And, you know, man, like I said, it, it's, it's not as complicated as I'm making it sound. I'm just trying to make sure I'm not <laughs> saying something out of order, but, um, you know, the responsibility, it, it's real. And that, that weight on your shoulder, it, it feels real. It's like, do I really, am I really doing enough with this? And I'm not trying to be long-winded, you know, it, it's just uh, This is your story, bro. You know, and I, I want the people, because 
you know, the target audience for this are people who literally the, for the podcast is people trying to be inspired by the everyday people. You know, you got the podcast mm-hmm. celebrities out there and people go listen to those. But it's like, what about people that I can tweet at and they respond? <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So gotcha. um, what do you do to like decompress? Like you, I, I can imagine working in the news all day. I know, mm-hmm. put it like this, when there was a story, and it didn't have to be necessarily the Aaron Hernandez story, because I was up <laughs> at ESPN around that time, but if mm-hmm. there was something that just, every like, let's say a player did something crazy, and they just kept talking about it. I know, me mm-hmm. personally, like, if you work in it's a nine-to-five day, you come home, you just want to get away from sports. What do you do as far as like when the news is that way? Do you like do you go to Starbucks to drink a bunch of coffee? You come and watch a movie. Like, what would be your advice to people who need to decompress from the news, especially if it's a long day of you know heartbreaking stories? Man, music is uh, music is a great tool. Um, R and B music specifically. I'm a heavy R&B lover, so I just listen to a bunch of music and just clear my head. Just grab my phone, grab my earphones, and I'm just sitting here, and I'm like, yo, I just need to not be involved in this for the next two hours because I just got in the house. Um, those, That's something that I do. You know, talking to my friends, of course. If it's like a seriously heavy story, I'm going to my friends about it. I'm like, I just need to talk this out. Or I'm just going to talk about something else and move on. And it almost goes back to that thing about, you know, checking in with, you know, your community. Because it's like, there are a lot of stories that have happened in the last two years that have been very heavy, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, not have have taken a serious toll on me, but, you know, there are some stories I'm just like, yo, I just can't believe this is happening. Um, I just can't believe that we've allowed, you know, not we as journalists, but like we as a people allowed this to happen. All the other stuff, like, you know, I'll just throw on some Donny Hathaway real quick. Well... You know, if I'm feeling it, I'll throw in some Beyonce. Or if I'm feeling it, I'll throw in some Luther Van Dross, one of my favorite things. It's the best thing ever, hands down. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you know, and you know, and when people listen to this, please don't debate with me. Go debate with your mom. I don't feel like dealing with it today. Uh, whenever you hear it, <laughs> but no. Uh, <laughs> but um, man, I, I just, I, I, and first of all, you know me. I, I love to laugh and have a good time. I love laughing. I really do. I'll try to make people laugh or I'll try to go make myself laugh. You know, I am not one of those people who are afraid to admit. I talk to myself. I'm like, yo, today was wild. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just things like that. I should start reading again because I have a lot of books here in my apartment. I'm just like, I need to start reading these books again. But I was just like catching up on my TV shows that I missed because I work nights. So I missed like the Flash and Black Lightning and all that. So, you know, it's a number of things that I do. Um, I never involve my family in it, though, because one, it's my job. But also, I just don't go to my family about everything because I don't, you know, want them to worry. And, you know, I don't want them, you know, I don't want that to be put on them. You see what I'm saying? I just mm-hmm. want to be put on something, like, temporarily, and I can just move on from it. But, you know, some days, I'm not going to lie, mental, you got to take mental health days. Sick days and nothing's about, oh, you know, I have a itchy, scratchy, wakey fever. Like, no, like, 
I don't feel good. I'm sick because my head is killing me from dealing with so much of this. And it can be a story. It can just be an incident in the newsroom. It could be anything. I'll just be like, no, I just can't do this today. <laughs> uh, my body is tired. I'm exhausted. Um, mental health days are important. They are just as important as sick days. They are sick days. They are important. Like, where you just disconnect. And that's my biggest problem. I can't disconnect from my phone at all as far as, like, social media. Like, when I'm on vacation or staycation, I can't disconnect. Um, I need to go somewhere this year where there's no Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same way, bro. So I, I get it. Trust me. <laughs> now, have you had to, being that you're from Baltimore and you work at a Baltimore station, have yeah. you had to, like, I guess write up with somebody that you know or went to school with. Woo. Yes, that is yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think maybe like oh man. I I ain't gonna say his name, but I went to high school with this guy mm-hmm. and he was involved in like some hit and run incident and I think he ended up killing the guy or injuring the guy. I don't remember. But I remember it happened like last year around this time. And I was like I know him. Like, little dude from, oh, whoa, we went to Woodland. Oh, wow. Um, I was like, yo, this is wild. Like, I think I, had, I think that was, I had my name on it still. I was, like, I was about um, to ask. Know, like, moments, you don't put your I, name I, I, I sure did keep my name on it. I mean, now, ask me what I do that now. But I <laughs> <laughs> I did I did have my name on it. Um, Honestly, man, there's been a couple of times where, excuse me, like, yeah, like, a couple of times where I've had to write up something and it involves someone I knew. And sometimes it it is a little, like, wow. Wow. Like, you know, damn, we were just in school kicking it. We were just, you know, joking about something, talking about something. I'm just, like, years later, you know, anything can happen. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember, I think, I don't remember writing, I don't, I don't think I wrote this one case up, but, you know, I do remember someone dying that I knew, and I remember seeing it in the email when it came through that night, but I don't, I don't think I had to write it up, and I found out a couple of days later it was someone that I knew who was, you know, fatally shot in Baltimore, um, and I was like, wow, someone I was like, you know, used to really laugh with and joke with in high school, and then, just to find out that, you know, at that time, uh, seven years after you graduated and, you know, so much can happen, so much can change and then boom, you know, they, they, they're, they're essentially to some folks, a number in that whole 348 people who died last year. Um, it's wild, man. It really is. It's a wild thing. Every time I see things, every time I see stuff like that, I'm like, Oh, God, I hope it's not somebody I know. Same thing for Morgan State. You know, as you know, I love our university, but, you know, we always get caught up in this whole thing about, you know, um, yeah, Morgan State, you know, Morgan State, you know, it's always got something going on. Morgan State, it's not a, it's not a good school. And, you know, that, that, couldn't, that couldn't be, you know, that's just any further from the truth. Morgan State is a damn good school. You know, it's an open campus and things happen. And I just, you know, when I do hear things about, you know, Morgan State students being robbed or, you know, unfortunately, you know, dying, you know, I, I feel that sympathy. You know, I was on campus in 2016 where it just felt like every day a student or like every other month a student was 
shot killed or something like that. And it was just like, yo, what's happening? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've been in those situations on the school side of it. I've been in situations on the professional side, and they all just suck. They really do. Yeah. Man, well, you know, I definitely have to say, man, you know, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great um, – you're doing our community very well. Uh, you you fair. And I always appreciate, you know, especially, you know, getting to read your work, you know. So uh, I've told you this at the beginning. You. you know, I'm proud of you. Um, anything you want to leave to people before we get out of here? Um. Yeah, um, a couple things, man. First, you just got to really believe in yourself. Like, you heard me throughout this talking about how I doubted myself and I, you know, I let fear from, I let fear keep me from doing a lot of things. And honestly, I, you know, I, I love my time at Morgan, but I had so many regrets. So for those of you who are in school, especially for those of you who go to HBC, the whole HBC is very dear and near, um, you know, go for it. You know, you, your education, everything that you've done up until this point, it matters. You need to go for every single opportunity that you can. And you're not going to know unless you try. you got to go for it. You really, really, really do. Um, you got to apply yourself. You really have to. Um, for the young journalists who are listening um, or, up, you know, young and up and coming who are listening, and, you know, Brian, you kind of alluded to this earlier, Please stay up to date with what's going on where you are. Like, even if you are in school for just 10 or 15 weeks, stay up to date with what's going on. Know what you're talking about before you go out here. And what I mean by that is you have to stay up on current events. You have no idea um, how many mentees or how many just people in general that I know that just don't know what's going on. And I'm not talking about in the election. I'm not just talking about in the White House. I'm talking about just period. Like, have no idea about what's going on. It's like you can't be somewhere, again, for 10 or 15 weeks, like I say, if you're in school, and you don't know what's going on. And then you can't go out here into a professional setting talking about, I want to be at CNN. I want to be at NBC. I want to be at ABC. I want to be here. I want to be there. Even if, like, you know, you want to go into entertainment and sports, you have to know what's going on because eventually all these things are going to intersect. As we see now, there's more politics in sports than probably has ever been, or, or you know, a resurgence of it. Um, entertainment, everything, every single thing is coming up into entertainment now. And then there's a responsible way to do entertainment news as well, but, you know, that's a different conversation for a different time. Um, <laughs> you just have to seriously know what's going on. Please, I urge you all to stay up to date with current events. You've got to know what's going on out here. It will, it will hinder you if you don't know, and it will show up in your work. It will show up in anything that you do. Cause if you, again, you just don't know. You always on your phone, get the mobile apps, download the apps, stay up to date with the news. If you don't feel like quote unquote watching the news, then you need to stay up to date with what's going on. Use the tool that you have in your left or right hand right now, which is your phone, your iPad, your MacBook, whatever. Stay up to date with what is going on. As we as young people, we really need to know how all of this affects our future and also how it affects the future of the business that we're about to go into. So, um, and yeah, um, be kind to one another. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the thing is, this, but like you said, you brought up apps. Oh yeah. Just turn the alerts on. 
So even if you don't, you know what I'm saying? Turn your, just turn everything on and just see what's going on. Like just yeah. see what's going on. Especially if you're in Baltimore, download the WBAL mobile, you know, mobile app. You know, we can help you stay up to date. Um, <laughs> had to plug it. <laughs> had to plug it. You know, or follow us on Twitter. You know, or follow me on Twitter. Um, all that good stuff. You know, you know. But let them know where they can follow you. Um, I'm better at Twitter than anything else. Um, so it's at uh, my name, Tremon, T-R-A-M-O-N, um, one underscore uh, W-B-A-L. Um, and yeah, you know, I do follow back. Don't let me, don't let any of that fool you. Um, and I'm always willing to give advice and yeah, you know, so it, it's, it's nothing for real. It really is it. Well, Tremon, I appreciate you coming on board. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you follow and listen to Tremon Lucas. Trust me, it will be of your great benefit. This guy has shared his story, and that's the reason why I had to have him on here, because I know he was going to keep it real. So, Tremon, I appreciate you, man. I thank you so much uh, for having me and just Brian, please continue to use this platform to inspire others and to help others because nobody else has really done this that I've seen at least, especially for a young journalist. And I really just appreciate you, man. I really, really do. Thank you. All right, bro. Appreciate you. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that was my interview with Tremon Lucas. Make sure you follow him at Tremon underscore WBAL. Next week, I have my good friend, David Shealy from WBIR out of Knoxville, Tennessee. He comes on to discuss uh, his career, which included him getting a jump start by going viral on Twitter when he posted his reel. So we get into that and so much more. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining this episode of Breaking Through the Glass Ceilings with Brian H. Remember, don't let nobody put up a ceiling that you can't break through forever, 824. This podcast is brought to you by B. Waters Productions. It is produced and edited by myself, Brian H. Waters, with the music brought to you by Hypnosis. You can find Hypnosis on Instagram.